just ask your Holy Spirit, God, to speak to our hearts and speak to our lives this morning, Lord. God, we know that your word works in tandem with your will and your way. And so, Lord, we just pray that over us this morning. God, I just pray that we would have the courage, God, to make the changes needed that we need in our lives, God, to come um, into submission and to your will and to your way. And Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Great job. Well, good morning. It is great to see you all and those who are watching online. It's great to have you with us, participating with us. Hope you've had a great week and we're honored that you are tuning in to us this morning. What, what do you want in life? You're not going to have to say it out loud, force your honesty, but a bigger house, a nicer car, or the car, or that car if you had that, uh, to graduate school, to get married, to get the next job or the next level of job. If you just had more money or if your boss would move to New Zealand, would that be good? What, what is it you really want in life? I'm going to tell you what I think you want because I think this is pretty universal. I think you want to be happy. I think you want to be joyful. I think you want to have peace in your life and, and contentment. If you are sane and not a psycho, you want those things. Those are normal things to desire. And I'm going to use the, the term happy and joyful kind of synonymously this morning Christians can be kind of weird when you mention the word happy. I've heard for years, you know, God's called us to be holy, not happy. And, you know, we are mean for the Messiah. We are mad for God. And, you know, that's really attractive, by the way. Uh, if, you, if you were to look at the biblical definition of joy in the, in the Webster's de definition of happiness, you know what you'd find out? They are almost identical. Happiness and joy look alike. They feel like they just have totally different roots. Happiness is, is based on what happens. So that way you can be happy right now. Like if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you're not happy much during the football season. Uh, you know, you, you have your ups and your downs of happiness. Joy has its source in God. See, that's the huge difference. And, and I think that you, if you're normal, and I think you are, you want to you have happiness and you want to have joy. But let me tell you, if you have your Bible, you can find Psalms 37, this 37th Psalm. We're going to be in there in just a moment. But I want to begin with this. I think this is true. Most people are not really happy and satisfied. Most people aren't. Would you agree with that? Lift your hand if you would agree with that. Would you agree most people are not? If you don't agree or you're uncertain, would you go home today and watch 30 minutes of the news? And just America, by the way, America is the, probably the most educated, affluent uh, country with, with more toys and things available to us than any other place in the world. But I want to share with you some facts uh, about our country that are pretty staggering. This week, a survey came out. It's been coming out for years called the general society survey and they measure several things one thing they measure is the happiness of americans listen to what they said this week 14 percent of people in america say they're happy 14 percent of people in america that's down from 31 percent in 2018 now they've been doing this survey for uh, almost 50 years 1972 and in 1972 since then this is the lowest happiness indicator 
there's ever been in our country during this time. Psychology Today magazine several years ago put out some statistics that were pretty interesting. They said in the year 2000, there were about 50 books that came out with the title or the theme was happiness. In the year 2008, there were 4,000 books with the title or the theme of how to be happy. They also looked at research and from the 80s into the 90s, and they noticed that psychiatrists and psychologists and Uh, professionals in that field were putting out 100 to 150 papers a year about happiness and how to be happy. In the year 2014, it was 10,000 articles on the same subject. But here's what these people, and again, most of the sources I'm quoting right now, I don't know if they're Christians, and they certainly weren't coming from a religious church background or, or bias. You know what they said? With all the writings and all the books, we're not any happier than we were before. It's not working is what they said. Yale University, one of the most prestigious universities in our country, 2017 introduced a new class on happiness. And you know what they found out? It was the most registered for class in the history of the university. And they asked a professor at Yale, why is this so? And they said, these kids are unhappy. These students are unhappy. Why are they unhappy? 50% of the students at Yale, this professor said, have to seek psychological help every year because they're not happy. They're not unhappy. They're upside down mentally and emotionally. Here's what she said. She said, here's why. They think if they get into a prestigious college, they'll be happy. They think if they make good grades, they'll be happy. They think if they can get a good internship or get in the best sorority or fraternity, they'll be happy. And none of those things fulfill the deep needs of your life. Sean Anker is a Harvard professor. He wrote a great book on happiness. I'd recommend you get it and read it. I don't know about his spiritual, where he stands with God. But here's what he said, and this is you and me. This is most people we know. We believe we will be happy and content when, when this happens. And the professor goes on and says, when we graduate from school, when we get married, when we get the job that we want, when we get the power we crave, when we just get that next home or that next thing, when we get these things, we'll be happy. And Sean Aker goes on to say, that's never going to happen. You see, we want to be satisfied and we want to be happy. And even people sitting in churches, we still in the deep parts of our mind, we think it's about the money, the country club, the car, the fame, the power. Just kills me for the craving we have for power and being in control. And none of those things make you happy. I want to give you what the Bible says in four words to meet the deep need in your life. Delight yourself in God. Delight yourself in God. Friday night I preached this sermon and it was a little long. It included about 15 verses. Cindy and I and God made a decision to cut about a third of it out. You can say amen to me afterwards. We may hear the rest of it next week. But verse 4 is so profound. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, here's the first thing, guys. Do you have a relationship with God? God's using King David to write this. David had a relationship with God. That's, That's kind of assumed in the text. Do you know Christ personally? Have you given your life to Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? If he's not, you must do that first. That's the first step. You've got to be a part of the family of God. But again, please hear me. 
so many of us who are Christians, we are not satisfied. We are grouchy. We are unfulfilled. We are not happy. We're not joy-filled. So when David was writing this, he wasn't, just, he wasn't writing for the lost people how to be saved. He was telling saved people how to live. Delight yourself in the Lord. If you're taking notes, the word delight is a beautiful Hebrew word. It means to be teachable. It means to be putty in God's hands. It means you are moldable and teachable for God. And listen, you find your joy and your happiness and your life's passion in God. The strongest emotional involvement of your life is not in your car, in your job, in your physical health, as important as that is. It's not in knowing the Bible. It's in loving and knowing God is what he's saying. Delight yourself in the Lord. Find your strongest attachment to him. Now, I want to pause and say this. As I looked at this this week, I know how men can hear, when they hear this, they can kind of, well, that's good for my wife. That's good for the girls. But I'm a man. Do I delight myself in God? King David was the one who wrote this. I dare you someday to look at King David and challenge his manhood. Even in heaven, he will take you down. This is a guy, when he was in the youth group, kills a nine-foot-nine giant. This is the man's man of man's man. And he's saying, guys, if you want to find what you're looking for, quit chasing everything else and chase God. You chase God, you always catch God. And when you catch God, you find what you're looking for. Delight yourself in God. You go, well, they don't know the world we live in today. Psalms 37. He starts the passage. He says this. Man, don't get mad and fret yourself over wicked and evil people. <laughs> we know that, don't we? Don't be jealous and envious when the bad people are succeeding. You do that, and I do that too. Well, God, I love you, and I'm poor, and they're getting rich. God's saying, don't do that. Don't, don't be envious of them. Don't watch the news and be mad for the next eight hours. Delight yourself in God. Find your greatest love your greatest heart emotions in God. I liken it to that little kid on Christmas morning. Man, don't you love Christmas morning when, when the, the, the you open up the door and the kid's going to see what Santa Claus got him, how exciting that is. I remember as a kid, you know, we uh, going and how great that was. It wasn't a lot of stuff, but it was great to go in and, and just see that. You know, now the older you get, you delight yourself in the Christmas meal, don't you? Or, or the Thanksgiving meal. The, your delights change. But, man, God said, I want you to find... I want you to find the life you're looking for. Quit looking for it in some guy or girl. Find it in me. Find it in me. How many of you saw the movie Jerry Maguire? Tom Cruise plays a sports agent. I, I, as far as I can remember, it was not a bad or risque movie. There's one part in the movie that, of course, it's the favorite part of, like, my wife and my daughters to them. It's, it's, he marries his secretary, then he leaves her, and they're, they're getting back, and he calls her, and, and he has to beg her back. And women always love that in the movies when the man has to beg the woman back. And, and, and she... Uh, and he says to her, you complete me, you complete me. And, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment, how God does use people to meet the holes in our heart. But you know the only one that can complete you is Jesus Christ, is God. He's the only one that can complete you. And he can. Now, everything I'm talking about this morning is simple. It is the most profound stuff there is. It's deeper than the Pacific Ocean. And it's all within your grasp. It's something you can do. 
you want to find what you're looking for, delight yourself in God. Here's God's promise to you and me, that God will give us the desires of our heart. Now, this passage, you can go wrong on this passage. So we're going to try to, try to make you, help us understand it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Man, I want a Mercedes. I want a nicer wife. I want, not me, but some of you out there. I want more money. I, I want this or that. So God's going to give it to you. That's not what he's saying at all. That's not what he's saying. Now, the word desire means request or petitions or wants. But he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Your heart is your will in the Bible. It's your sinner. It, it's, your, it's the core being of you. Now, guys, now here's the difference. And here it's a huge difference. We confuse the desire of our eyes with the desire of our heart. I do, and so do you. When I was 12 years old, we went bowling. We had a bowling alley in my hometown, and we'd go two or three times a year. And, and you know, we didn't have a bowling ball or bowling shoes, and you go have to rent the bowling shoes. Now I think about, would you, 84 people have worn those same bowling shoes that day. I mean, coronavirus would love the bowling shoes, wouldn't it? They'd just camp out in there, I guess. But you didn't care, especially your kid. We, we didn't have a bowling ball, so you'd have to go get your own you know, bowling ball. And, and, and uh, y'all are cringing. But y'all did the same thing. Hadn't y'all done this before? Just in Mississippi, you had to do that, I'm sure. And so we're bowling, and there's this guy. He's 18. He's my oldest sister's age, and he's a cool dude. I mean, he had tattoos when tattoos weren't cool. He drove to the bowling alley on a motorcycle. He walks in with his own bowling ball. Man, if you walk in with your own bowling ball, you are bad to the bone. I mean, I'm sure he had his own bowling shoes, too. His bowling ball is red, white, and blue. It's a flag. It's unbelievable. I can't even bowl the rest of the time. I'm just watching that red, white, and blue bowling ball go down the... the it was the coolest thing. So I go home, and I tell my daddy. He's writing to us. I said, Daddy, I want a red, white, and blue bowling ball. He didn't even look up. He said, you're not getting one. And he just kept doing what he's doing. And I was thinking to myself, I wouldn't say this out loud. You mean, old man, you never want to do stuff that's going to bless me and help me. Daddy, I really want a wet, red, white, and blue bowling ball. No, you don't, and you're not getting one. He went back to write. And two months later, they had to put me on medication and in the hospital. No, they didn't. Two months later, I wasn't even thinking about bowling balls. Two months later, the last, I was chasing some seventh grade girl two months later. I wasn't catching her because I was kind of chubby, but I was chasing her. My own earthly dad knew the desire of my eye and the desire of my heart were way different. I didn't want a red, white, and blue bowling ball. From the time I was a little kid, I wanted to be a football coach. I mean, that's all I ever wanted to be. Well, playing the NFL and then coaching afterwards, of course, and that goal got shot down pretty quick. Wanted to be a coach. I became a Christian in college. I still wanted to be a coach. My daddy coached. My brother coached for 30 years, still coaching. My heroes growing up were coaches. Wanted to be a coach. That's what I wanted to do. God put me in the apartment in college with three preachers. You talk about living in, Baptists don't believe in purgatory, but that was as close to it as you could go. Those guys are nerdy. And, and, you know, they don't have a lot of fun. And so, but God used that. And, and, and I began to hear God's voice 
whispered in my ear, I, I want you to pastor. I want you to preach. God, no, I want to I I coach. And, and towards the end of college, I finally, I, I, I surrendered to, to preach. I got to coach a little bit in Tennessee, a little, little bit in Texas. And, and you may disagree because, you know, you go, well, you, we have to hear you every, every week. We wish you were coaching. And, but I know in my heart I'm doing what God called me to do. Because God knew 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later, this is what I really wanted to do. Hey, you know, I'm going to tell you something cool. God knows what you really want. You and I think we know what we want. We think we know what we need. But God knows what we really want, and God wants to give us what we really want. How many of you have seen Rocky 1 through 84? Man, I love the Rocky movies. The first one came out when I was, uh, gosh, I was in junior high school. The last one, he, you know, Rocky was in a walker fighting. Did y'all see that at the nursing home? And it's a joke. He wasn't. But he's a geezer. You know, he's, he's old in the movie. He's like, oh, I can barely move now. Uh, the first movie is when he meets his wife-to-be, Adrian. And, and, you know, Rocky at that time is kind of a loser. She's not doing real well either, you know. And she has a brother-in-law who's really a ne'er-do-well named Polly. And so Polly says, you know, what do you see in my sister? And Rocky says, oh, she, you know, she fills gaps. She fills gaps. And, and God uses people to fill gaps, doesn't he? But you know the only one who can fill the real gap is God. Now stay with me because we're going to go back to those little gaps in just a second. St. Augustine said 1,700 years ago, you have a hole in your heart that can only be filled by God. But here's the unbelievably cool thing. When you let God fill that hole, God fills those other holes too. So you're trying to fill the other holes with everything but God, and it never will work. God says, delight yourself in me, and then I will give you the desires of your heart. Not the desire of your eyes, but of your heart. When I was in graduate school, I wasn't married, and other preacher friends weren't married, and we, you, know, you would hear these talks, Josh, you probably give them too, which are good. That, you know, before God's going to bring you a spouse, you need to make sure you love God. And he's meeting the needs of your life. That's true. And I remember one of my friends, he said, I don't care what they say. I'm never going to be happy till I get married. He's been married 30-something years now today, and he's still unhappy. You know why? Because, because he's never learned to delight himself in God. You see, people and kids and jobs and things like that are great. But when you delight yourself in God, he puts those people, jobs, things in your life that you really want. God knows what you want 10 years from now better than you remember what you ate for supper last night. If, you, if you're a young person, God knows what you want 50 years from now. I mean, what I want in 50 years is a good home in heaven. <laughs> But, but God knows what you really want 50 years from now better than you can remember the cologne or perfume you put on this morning, Caleb or, or Riley or whoever, Kelly. God says this, love me, chase me. Sounds kind of girlish for some of you men. It's not, delight yourself in me. Let me be the thrill of your life. And I will give you the desires of your heart. 
I want to tell you a story from my life that, that I saw through the years that applies so much to this passage. Someone I watched as a kid and throughout my life wanted the desires of their heart met so bad. When they were in high school, they wanted to fit in because if you just fit in, everything will be great, right? No. So they, they slept around, they, they drank when it was illegal for them to drink, they did illegal drugs. That didn't satisfy them. Well, then it was if I can just get married, if I get married, find a spouse, then I will be satisfied. And they went through about three or four spouses, and that, that never satisfied their heart. Then it was if I can finish college and start working, then I will be satisfied, and that didn't do it. Then it was, well, it's just this job. If I can get another job over here, and they went from job to job to job to job, and you know what? They were never satisfied because they were chasing everything but God. And then it was, if I can just have kids, I need to have kids, I want to have kids. And so God put some kids in their life, and they had kids. And you know what they found out? The kids are wonderful. Kids don't meet the deep needs of your heart. They can't. They're not meant to do that. Only God can. And then it was, I, I need stuff if I have a better house so they would have houses. If I could have more money so they would tons in debt. I'll buy clothes. I'll buy things. If I can do all that, if I can just be in good physical health. And they did all those things and they never chased God. And I believe this person would have told you they were a Christ follower. And then we buried them. And if I learn one lesson, I learned this. You can chase everything but God trying to be happy and satisfied, and you never will be. But if you'll just chase God, God brings everything else that you really want into your life, and you will be. And this is tough, but it's profound, and it's within your reach. When you make a decision... To spend the rest of your life truly, deeply delighting yourself in God. And man, I can promise you, if you do, someday when we meet in heaven, you will tell me and I will tell you, I found what I was looking for when I lived on this earth. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I, I just hope that God has spoken to your heart. And I hope you will, you will do whatever you have to do and need to do to delight in Him from this point on. Let Him be your joy, your source, your happiness, and your fulfillment. If you're not a Christian, but you're ready today to give your life to Christ, pray with me. Sincerely pray and just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. and That you died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. 
and I surrender my life to you, Jesus.